When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Present. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Present about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, in its 26th year and founded HempFest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at HempFest.org and soon to be found at VivianMcPeak.com. Transmitting from a fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle. My goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Hempresent is longtime cannabis activist and proponent Alan St. Pierre, formerly the executive director of Normal and currently with Freedom Leaf, who will be joining me in about one minute. We're in a great time of transition as cannabis has begun the slow climb up the legal ladder from illicit underground black market commodity to over-the-counter commodification. While America reforms its cannabis laws state by state until we can initiate a change in federal law, underground prohibition-era black market economies and supply chains are already upset, and a vast migration of wealth and revenue has been initiated. In reformed states, towns and municipalities are forging new policies and the business sector is adapting and exploiting a new emerging growth industry and all the ancillary opportunities that come on its cannabis coattails. In addition, anti-prohibition events across America are experiencing this changing landscape and are beginning to formulate an identity that can anticipate the post-prohibition age that we all hope is on the next hempy horizon. But there are some stark indications that prohibition still has some gasps of air left with the Trump administration and its basket of deplorable drug warriors who've been saber-rattling lately. Attorney General Jeff Sessions is as anti-cannabis as it gets, 
And this administration has indicated that it has no qualms about taking a scorched earth pivot from Obama-era policies of tolerance and respect for cannabis states' rights. That's why community values-based organizations like Seattle Hempfest need to step up to the plate and lead. Because I believe that now is when those voices in the community that represent the community need to be as vocal and as vigilant as ever. Now that big money is getting involved in cannabis, the overbearing influence of the corporate model will increasingly enter the picture for better and for worse. Cannabis consumer advocacy, community outreach, and education have never been more important. Groups seeking to protect people from unsafe products, predatory lending, false advertising, astroturfing, other forms of exploitation are more relevant than ever. Consumer organizations may operate via protests, litigation, campaigning, direct lobbying, or by producing public events. There are so many ways to look at things, and depending on which angle one is looking at and from which perspective, opposing ideas can be found to have merit. Sometimes all things may ring true. My guest today has spent decades raising the standard of cannabis liberation, and like myself, he has pointed views on cannabis and this new phenomenon. Alan St. Pierre served for many years as the executive director of the National Organization for the Four Marijuana Laws, NORML, uh, as well as other capacities. Uh, and he is now working with FreedomLeaf.com, which builds itself as the marijuana legalization company. And he's joined me today. Welcome, Alan, to present on Cannabis Radio. Hey, Vivian. Great to be with you. Alan, you've been so very gracious. We've had to reschedule several times. So I just want to upfront thank you for being so patient with us. Um, but starting, how many years were you with Normal, arguably the world's most well-established cannabis brand? And what was it like being the media go-to guy for all things cannabis for so long? I was with Normal for over 25 and a half years, uh, served 10 years as the director of the organization proper, and did upwards of 50,000 media interviews for Normal during that period of time, uh, mainly radio and print interviews. And while I sort of begrudgingly was the media face for marijuana, I always knew that the marijuana movement was way broader than some white waspy guy from New England. So I was always rude uh, to not hold myself out as a poster boy, but just try to be professional, to be objective, acknowledging that marijuana is a drug that can be abused, but is a wonderful drug that people have been using for millennia and should never have been prohibited. And all the ills of prohibition um, was what really drove my advocacy because like most people under prohibition, I could buy marijuana. I could buy it readily. I had to buy it from criminals. I had to pay too much for it. There was no taxes going back to society. Uh, there was no quality control. I didn't know what I was getting. It was a, um, a very misogynistic, uh, endeavor. <clears throat> so to see reform move to the point of, sort of a fantastical want by millions of people to the reality that you can go into in the case of Washington state in your case or Colorado, Oregon, most notably that you can actually walk into these places as an adult and buy marijuana and take it home and legally use it does feel like, um, the acknowledgement that the millions of people that worked for marijuana law reform going back to the 1960s was entirely correct. And that now 70% of the public, according to Gallup polls, favor reform in one form or another. Well, I'm just honored that you don't have that inter interview fatigue after doing all those interviews and that you're still up for another one. 
Um, yeah, I'll tell you, man, every time I walk into a rec store and walk out with some pot, get in my car, drive off, don't even have to look in the review mirror, I, it's surreal. I'm like, is this really ha- – I don't think I'm ever going to get used to it. It's like the first time I went to uh, the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam. Uh, I was just like, wow. <laughs> you know, it, it's like going to 7-Eleven. So, so what do you got going on now? You're with Freedom Leaf. What is Freedom Leaf about? What's the mission and goals of the organization, and what do you do for Freedom Leaf? Sure. Freedom Leaf, as you described, is the Marijuana Legalization Corporation. It was founded by former normal director Richard Cowan. Um, He's a a protege of Bill Buckley's at Yale, a conservative uh, in the political spectrum. And he founded it about three years ago. And the idea was to have a corporation, while that were for profit, was entirely geared towards legalizing marijuana, to helping the nonprofit groups that are out there to legalize marijuana, to make it their cause to legalize marijuana, while at the same time delivering uh, return on investment to um, its investors. I'm the vice president of communications, so we have a magazine, we have a web page, we do all kinds of public events, and the company is uh, slowly starting to acquire um, a whole myriad of different companies, um, some of which are engaged in medical marijuana, some are engaged in culture. Um, it's it's a fascinating myriad corporation and it's based out of Las Vegas. At the same time, I'm a partner with uh, Sensible Alternative Partners. Uh, That is what we're describing as a leafless venture capital fund uh, until the federal laws change such that the producers and sellers of marijuana, along with the investors, are not subject to felony arrest and prosecution. Um, We're going to try to just focus on the ancillary areas of um, the marijuana space, uh, otherwise known as the picks and axes, (laughs) such that uh, um, we can hopefully deliver a return on investment for everybody while at the same time not getting ourselves in federal prison. God, I just read uh, a conservative article that demonized Richard Cohen as the, the, the cause of the great marijuana scourge. Uh, just recently <laughs> listing all the ways that uh, the Trump administration might dismantle prohibition. How, how well do you feel the cannabis community has adapted to its newfound spotlight and acceptance as far as industry and culture concerned? Are we still in the nascent stages or are we already on our way to new national identity and public acceptance? Well, I'd, I'd like to think we're moving towards national acceptance. The data indicates we are. The tail of the tape, if you will, uh, how much uh, taxes are coming into these particular states, how much money people are spending per year in legal marijuana stores. But uh, culturally, if we have to say make the comparison, which always was the case to say the gay community, it's, it's night and day. Uh, going all the way back to the early 1990s, you could have President Clinton show up at a big gay fundraiser in San Francisco or Washington, D.C. I hope you and I live long enough, Vivian, that we have the president of the United States come to a marijuana-related event. Uh, it's, it's such that even though marijuana legalization is now so well accepted at the state level and the nationwide polls – it's not really comparable to the gay movement in how um, culturally acceptable uh, and changes have happened in our lifetimes regarding uh, being a gay individual, most notably gay marriage itself. And I think it's always ironic that that happened 
um, not because of initiatives, not because people voting to bring gay marriage about. It happened at the court level. And it's the complete opposite from marijuana law reform. We've almost received no relief from the courts over these last 45 or 50 years. And almost all the major reforms that have happened, notably Western Mississippi, have all been driven by the voter initiative process. Well, you know, it's there's the old state statement, when the people lead, the leaders follow. And I think this is a, <laughs> a, a great example of that. I mean, I imagine this new administration, there's a lot more pot being sold because people need to get high just to be able to cope with what's going on. Man. Uh, my, <laughs> guest, my guest is Alan St. Pierre. We are talking about a very variety of things, cannabis. We're going to take our first pause for the cause because there's still some flaws in the laws. Hear a word from our sponsors, advertisers. Come right back with our second segment. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on, and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with my old friend, Alan St. Pierre. Alan, when you took the helm from Keith Strop and became the spokesperson and figurehead of Normal, which just can I say has always been extremely supportive of Seattle Hemp Fest, uh, great people, great friends. Was there anything that surprised you about the job? What was that like for you? Uh, was there anything that was uh, counterintuitive uh, about it? Oh, most certainly. It was the amount of time that one was going to have to put in uh, to have the impact that one had hoped. And that really meant being up around five o'clock most days, ready for uh, uh, media calls in the morning, those rock and roll shows and drive shows in the morning. And the reality is you could just follow the sun all across the United States and even the world and do these media interviews until 
one or two in the morning quite regularly. So that's a pretty long day by most standards. <laughs> but it was not, um, you know, laying hot tar on a roof or gutting my way out of uh, 10,000 pounds of codfish. It was work that I very much appreciated because every day something new came, new studies, new polls, um, new court cases, new arrests. So every day was different and dynamic. But I guess overall, the thing that I, I came to appreciate is that uh, it is a movement of thousands and thousands of people that have brought these reforms together. It wasn't one individual. It was, certainly wasn't one organization. So if you have to write a history of marijuana law reform, it's going to have a lot of interesting characters, hundreds and hundreds of them, the laws over these years. We're talking about if you wrote the book. I'm surprised you haven't written the book, man. What's taking you so long? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I uh, should write the book all these years. I've kept uh, this massive series of files and archives that have gone up to the University of Massachusetts at Amherst so that when we're all long gone, Vivian, uh, students, media, researchers can go and see what did it take in those 40 years plus for marijuana laws to change the court cases, the research, the hundreds and hundreds of rallies and protests, the martyrs, uh, the real victims of the drug war. Uh, they're found in normal files. Um, Alan, last year in an October 6 article on Freedom Leaf titled, Are Marijuana Rallies Like Hemp Fest Still Necessary?, you wrote, in the states where ganja is now a legal and taxed commodity for adult consumption, large cannabis-centric rallies should pivot from being important protest vehicles over a failed public policy to responsible adult celebrations of cannabis products, uh, and that large public pro-pot rallies can now lead the charge. Uh, you can imagine there was some gnashing of teeth at Seattle Hemp Fest uh, when my colleagues read that. What did you mean by that, and what are the demonstrable changes that you're suggesting there? Sure. And that is um, once the marijuana arrests and the terrors of prohibition have largely ended in a state, uh, I'd suggest that the, the kind of all the resources and the karma and energy poured into these protestables, best example by the Seattle Hemp Fest over these years, uh, should pivot of, to just being a pure celebration of the plant and, and, and the businesses that are now involved in it. But in the 45 or so, really 47 or so other states, 43 other states, pardon me, that have um, no real reforms and hundreds of thousands of people will be arrested on marijuana charges in the United States, those are states that need to have Seattle hemp-like festivals and for them to go on for the decade or so to um, get a beachhead in those states, to make it clear that every year, no matter what happens, no matter who the governor is, no matter who's in power in the state, there's going to be a massive pro-marijuana festival, uh, likely in the state capital or in the biggest uh, city in the state, and that they're well-run, they're responsible, they're loud, they're proud. Uh, and the color green flies boldly. So I think the work of Seattle Hemp Festival is is sort of half done that they've achieved the goal of legalizing marijuana in the home state of Washington. And for that matter, the whole Northwest United States, the whole West Coast, say for Hawaii at the moment, uh, has legalization. So um, 
I know that the Seattle Hempfest uh, folks have been gracious and, and, and wonderful in going around to other festivals around the United States to uh, help educate how to better run them. Um, and so I guess that's what I was insinuating was that, uh, you know, the time is to start focusing on the Kansas cities, the Houston's, the Charleston, South Carolina's of the world, because that's where the horrors of the marijuana prohibition still live every day. Well, I don't know what we would do different. I guess we would not have speakers talking about uh, legalization issues, but there's still the federal schedule, uh, 50 Americans serving life sentences for cannabis in our state. Mm-hmm. We have we have no home grow. Uh, we can't smoke anywhere. We, we, people in public housing can't smoke. We can't have lounges or clubs in, in Washington state. Uh, so should we not focus on, on the federal issues and the other issues? Uh, I mean, y- you also uh, held up the hemp stock in Portland as a uh, – Example of a responsible social uh, event. How is Portland Hempstock different from Hempfest? We're confused. Well, I guess in the sense of Hempstock, uh, rather than uh, continue to argue uh, as their narrative that the laws need to be reformed or that there's these terrible things that are happening to citizens that shouldn't, Hempstock in a two or three year period um, move the festival from out in the woods and out near the water to a downtown venue and, 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 and ask for the um, Portland city council to allow them to use marijuana openly because marijuana is legal. And, the, and they were asking for that exemption because like most places in the West coast, you're not allowed to legally smoke cigarettes in tobacco in public parks. So it was an example of how this festival that was usually rooted in pure reform activism had pivoted, in my view, towards one looking more forwardly towards a time when adults could go to a public park and openly use marijuana, just like you can openly drink alcohol when it's permitted. Well, I'd, I'd only say that Seattle Hempfest is at the center of uh, urban an urban metropolis, and we actually have a smoking exemption from the city of Seattle at Hempfest. Um, but but let me move on. Do you, do you have a feel for how the Trump administration will treat recreational cannabis? Do you have any kind of prediction for what we can expect? Oh, I mean, uh, Mr. Trump and the people around him are so mercurial, and the people that he's put into place, notably Jeff Sessions, uh, are so anti-marijuana, it's hard to know. Um if this was 2008, uh, and I, if I was in the marijuana business, I would be, you know, having some serious tumult in my stomach every night when I went to bed. Um, but here we are in 2017, and some of the people around Trump, for example, some of his closest advisors, have invested tens of millions of dollars in the legal marijuana space, and they're still at the table arguing apparently for some degree of reform. They haven't been scared away. Um, For example, specifically, if Peter Thiel uh, were to uh, inexplicably walk away from the inner circle of Donald Trump, that might be a pretty scary um, tell for the industry that uh, bad things are coming. But as long as on the inside and continues to advocate for a new head of FDA, Food and Drug Administration, that might be inclined to reschedule marijuana from one to at least two or lower. Um, that's a different dynamic than we've ever had in place. So, 
Do, oh, do you have any uh, concerns that a do you have any concerns that a Schedule Two might might hand cannabis over to the pharmaceutical industry and then the the Trump administration markets it as saying, "Hey, we legalize medical marijuana. Or we're look how compassionate we are." Yeah, Schedule Two it does not help the consumer who doesn't uh, want to either research cannabis or use it for medicine. Take it uh, in the pill for the. Yeah, it would just come in or some other deliverable form that is patented and. And so, no, Schedule 2 really only benefits uh, researchers in the medical marijuana community. For the vast majority of the consumers of cannabis and those who produce it and sell it, it would still be a major problem. So ideally, it would be great to see it come off schedule, like alcohol, tobacco, and caffeine are non-scheduled. But it's hard right. to imagine, and there's nothing coming out of the administration saying they, they think they're going to do that. Well, and of course, we have Jeff Sessions as uh, well. At least we have him now as Attorney General. We'll see what happens uh, with all of this Russia stuff. But uh, you know, he voted to—he voted for the death penalty for people with three marijuana sales convictions. I mean, it just—it's—it just seems like it's impossible to predict what this administration is going to do. I mean, impossible. Oh, it's just, impossible. I mean, so many mixed messages. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not just on this issues, but the biggest, largest issues of the day having to do with the military and public health and race relations and immigration. So unfortunately, marijuana is just caught up in this whole maelstrom. Um, I guess for me, I'm looking for who are they going to appoint as head of the DEA? Who yeah. are they going to appoint ahead of the ONDCP, NIDA? Who are they going to uh, put at the representative at the UN um, for our anti-drug, the so-called anti-drug representative there? If we get lifelong anti-drug warriors, that is not going to probably bode well. Maybe we'll get some more uh, libertarian-leaning business-type Republicans. But uh, those are what I'm, the positions I'm looking for. If personnel equals policy, those are really important positions to fill. Yeah, I think Kevin Sabat is having a great year. I'm talking to Alan St. Pierre. We're going to take a second pause for the cause, listen to some word from our sponsor, Advertise, come back with our final questions for Alan St. Pierre. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With new frontier data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontiers tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you life yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah! 
Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp's Radio with my final questions for Alan St. Pierre. Alan, what can folks expect from Freedom Leaf in the coming months and years, and how can people find out more? Well, people can certainly just reach us at freedomleaf.com or catch the magazine at a number of head shops and normal chapters and, and events around largely the Western United States. Um, Freedom Leaf is going to be busy at all the major events, um, anywhere where there's activism or B2B, like uh, the Marijuana Business Daily. They'll always have a table and be active. And their major push is to support normal 160 chapters. Um, they see that as the, the major way to um, help um, grassroots activism in the United States is through the normal chapters. Um, so if you, you, you talked about if you wrote the book about your years at normal. Do you have any uh, plans on writing a book, man? That would be a great story to tell. Well, in fact, thanks, I do. I, I, I have uh, probably a couple in me at least. And one is the history of marijuana law reform in the United States in general. And two is a book about our opponents, the uh, SOBs who wanted to arrest us and put us in jail and deny us a medicine and a valuable industrial hemp product. Not enough antiseptic light has been cast in their directions. You mentioned Kevin Sabat earlier, and he would certainly be the focus of any book about uh, anti-pot folks. And the last book that I'd like to write with my good friend Rick Cusick, uh, formerly of High Times and now at Whoopi G, is uh, really a book uh, about the behind the scenes at both Normal and High Times. Uh, he worked at Normal at High Times as long as I worked at Normal, and I can assure you, and you well know, Vivian, that it, it's really behind the scenes is where all the really interesting stuff happened. And and between High Times and what they were about in Normal, we were close partners for all those years. Um, High Times is the biggest corporate funder of normal, and uh, so between the two of us, we think we have a pretty good inside look at the two organizations that that had a big impact on marijuana law reform and cannabis culture. Yeah, I, I, I must say I take great pleasure in mispronouncing Kevin's name every chance I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alan, Alan St. Pierre, thank you for being on Hand Present on Cannabis Radio, man. Good luck with all your new endeavors, bro. Congratulations on your family member, Sasha. So lucky to have such a cool dad. Hempy trails to you, my brother. Well, thank you, Vivian. Thanks for uh, blazing such a trail for so many for so long. You bet, man. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll flip you on the check side, brother. Now I'm going to get to a week 100% on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. The illegality of cannabis is outrageous, an impediment to full utilization of a drug which helps produce the serenity and insight, sensitivity, and fellowship so desperately needed in this increasingly mad and dangerous world. And that's Terrence McKenna, philosopher, psychonaut, and author of True Hallucinations, among other books. That concludes this installment of Him Present on Cannabis Radio. 
I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, all the cannabis radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hippo sapien on our journey to justice. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. Don't forget to email me, somebody, someday email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush, is sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.